This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. began a teaching probably a few months back now, I believe. Uh, and uh, so we're on like, we began talking about the importance of understanding authority in the church and the importance of being able to submit to authority. Understanding authority and be able to, to stay under authority is what it is. The importance of understanding authority in the local church or in the church, in the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ is not the same. It's not different from one church to another. The body of Christ is the body of Christ. So it's understanding authority in the body and understanding how to stay under authority. Because I think that's, you know, like I mentioned just earlier, the believer has the heart of wanting to. You know, even think about this. Hebrews chapter 12 declares to us that, uh, that it's the Lord. The Lord takes pleasure in correcting His children. Authority corrects. When you're under authority, you have a place for correction. That's, you know, and I think that's where, you know, sometimes people, it's like, well, you know, I'm being corrected. That shows you're under authority because you're receiving the correction. You're being corrected. It's just like a child at home. He's under the authority of their, his parents. They correct them all the time. They are under authority. They are receiving the correction. And it's the difference between uh, getting corrected and receiving the correction. But you know what? As we, as believers, you can find it constantly in the scriptures that when a person missed it, could think about it. Who in here has not missed God? Is there not a person that hasn't missed God? We all have missed God. But how do we know that we miss God? By correction. By instruction. But that came only because you were in a place of authority. You received it because you were in a place of authority. And so, being in a place of authority, that's why there's... Because what did he say? After we receive a correction, he says we're going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's because you yielded to the... Remember, where there's correct... When you're under authority, there's peace. There's protection. There's provision. There's, There's insight that you didn't have before. Think about all the times you've gotten corrected. You receive insight to get out of it. But you were in a place of correction and you thought it was a bad thing. That's why the scripture says, you think this is a bad thing that you're receiving correction, but actually you are in a good place. If you're receiving correction, the Bible says God deals with you as a son. You're not a fatherless child. You have a father. And he, and like I said, he's going to show you, and I think that's the big thing, what I'm going to deal with, because we have actually got, the last few weeks we've been introduced to the house of God. And y'all remember, we were introduced to the house of God, and in the house of God we found that there was authority. So we were introduced to the house of God to authority. We, we talked about when, when, when was authority established. We talked about why is it so important to be under authority. What, it has to, what does it have to do with my progression in life? We talked about last week about staying, you know, how to stay under, how to place yourself under authority and how to stay there. You know, and, and, and if you think about it, we are the people, if we examine our life, we are where we're at based on our pursuit. Of God, each and every one. You cannot, you cannot blame your walk on anybody but yourself, because God provides everything for you. Especially in this ministry, God is going to provide everything you need. So you are at the place where, if I'm struggling with my walk, you always have to just look at you, because no one can stop you but you. Even like I said, even in a place of correction and instruction, you're the person that has to say, 
I'm going to continue. There's a continuation that, there, that has to be placed and put in place. But that's being under authority. We're, I want you to go, my part is I'm going to deal with the different types of authority violations in the body of Christ. The different types of authority violations in the body of Christ. And I want you to go, we're going to start off in Psalm 62. We're just going to read that one verse, verse 11, even though that whole Psalms is great. But I want you to find these passages of Scripture. Psalm 62 and 11, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. I want you to find those. And as you write it, I want to make a statement. It is impossible... And uh, I, will, I, I will have some notes for you next week for those that have notes. I don't have them for you this week. But it is impossible to speak about authority. Impossible to speak about authority without speaking about humility and submission. Or pride and rebellion. Why? Authority itself res- demands a response. It demands a response. So, if somebody were to come in this room and you, you were called, just like say that you received an email and the whole entire congregation was called and they, they were told, we just call in a meeting for this Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it may be, and everybody gathers, but no one's told nothing that's going on. And it wasn't Pastor that stood up. Somebody else stood up, got up here and says, I'm in charge. What are you expecting to come forth next? When you, somebody comes up here and says, I'm in charge. Are they there just to say that? What we're expecting next, what? Is instructions? What, is, what does authority do? It sets boundaries. So we'll receive instructions, corrections, whatever comes forth. When somebody gets up, it's like, what do you, when somebody comes up, uh, uh, let's say you fathers. It's like, you know, I'm running stuff here. Why do you, see, why do you tell somebody that, and I'm not talking about you, tyrants. I'm talking about, it's like, listen, I'm in charge here. And when I'm in charge, I've even given you a correction or I've given you an instruction, given you a set of, uh, of, of, of details that you have to follow. Something's coming next. So when somebody says, I'm in charge, they're not, when God says, I'm in charge, He's not saying, I'm in charge, just so that you can, so He can vast on who He, He's already who He is. You know, so it's not like, He's not going to receive anything. Men are that way. Men get high-minded. Men get prideful. Men get arrogant. Saying, you know, I'm in charge. I'm running stuff here. I do what I want to do. Let me tell you something. Nobody in the body of Christ is able to do what they want to do. Not one person. I like what it says in the book of Judges. It says, and men did what they wanted to do. And it was a very end because there was no king in the land. They did what was right in their own eyes. Men did what was right in their own eyes. Authority is established so that you cannot do what, was, what is right in your own eyes. Always remember that. That's why you always have to be at a place with, I know what I want to do, but what do you say about what I want to do? Because it may be right in your eyes, and that's the thing we're going to read about David. David was under authority. David was exactly where in the book of in the book of uh, uh, first second Kings chapter seven when we when we were introduced to the to the house he was under authority and what did he do he sought counsel from his authority but after he sought counsel from his authority and they did whatever they did they realized that God says you're not in charge here I'm in charge here I am going to show you what you need to do it's not something and that's and that's what I'm trying to what I want you to understand that everybody in this place from your pastor to every minister to you we're all under the same authority God is not it's like you cannot and we're going to see who we're actually violating 
when we're actually violating authority. And we, you may say, oh, that's plain. That is plain. We're violating God. But how do you know that you're violating, violating God's authority? By just, like for example, Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 12, where it says, Obey those that have rule over you. Obey them and watch, because they watch for yourself. But why? Why do I have to obey my pastor? Why do I have to obey a leader in the church? Why must I do that? You know, I'm a, I'm a believer. I know how to hear from God for myself. I can live my life the way I want to live it. I can do, you know, all sorts of different attitudes that come up. But the question is, why do I have to do it? And that's what I want to do here. I want to answer those questions. So it is impossible to speak about authority without speaking about humility and submission, pride or rebellion. Authority itself demands a response. And it will provoke one of these attitudes. It will provoke one of those attitudes. Either humility and submission, pride or rebellion. Authority provokes those attitudes. When authority comes up, either you're going to say, you know, you have the right heart to submit. Or you're going to say, I ain't doing that. And you may not say it, but in your mind it's like, really, I am not doing that. There is just no way I am going there. I just, I don't have to. You know, I, I always got a, a, a kick at it. And you know, she was 90... 90-something years old when we used to go to the, the nursing home, when we were allowed to go to the nursing home. But she would tell me, I'm 95 years old. I do what I want to do. And that's what she would tell me. You know, I'm like, ma'am, you're, you're good. I do what you want to do. But I do what I want to do. But, you know, she was the sweetest person. But she was like, I'm 95. She's like, I've lived a life and I'm going to do. But see, that's the way, the attitude that we have sometimes. We've been in ministry or in, 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 in the body of Christ or in Christian for so long and it's like, I've paid my dues. I don't have to do that no more. It's like we've come to a place where we don't have to put in the work anymore. Not realizing that that is a violation of authority. But authority itself demands a response and it will provoke one of these attitudes. All authority, once again, has been established by God and authority does not permit anyone to do what is right in their own eyes. It is important as believers that we understand authority in the church for staying it, staying under it comes with benefits. And coming out from under it comes with consequences not only for you, but for your seed. See, and, and we're going to deal with that later on in, in the teachings, how this affects not only you, but it affects your, your seed. Because it is important that we understand that this is just not me that I'm dealing with. Even me, like for example, me as a, a single brother, there's still people that are affected by how I live and what I do and what I do not do. People are watching. People are seeing. It doesn't matter that I don't have a natural seed. There's still people that actually either are going to benefit from my life or are going to be put in a pl place where it's, there's a deficit in their life because of me. You know, I didn't install. I didn't put in them what they needed to be put in them. And I didn't actually take from them what they didn't really have. And I'm not talking about taking from them by force counsel, instruction, direction where you say, you know what, well, that's not for you. But when dealing with authority in the church this is the thing and we've heard this time and time again. You must always remember that it is always God. Every single time it's always God that we're dealing with and not the individual and delegated authority. We never deal. We may deal with them but that's not our dealings. Our heart's dealings is with God. Think about it. It's like this. Everybody in, the, in the, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness dealing with Moses, they always blamed Moses. They would always look to Moses. And God would always say, I heard what they said about me, Moses. I heard what... It was never about Moses. 
God just placed Moses there. And we're going to deal with Moses in, 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 uh, in, in, in the book of... Uh, I'm sorry, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy. We're going to deal with... In Deuteronomy 16, we will deal with that rebellion. But the goal of this teaching is to bring us to a deeper reverence and passion for the things of God. That's what we want to do. We want to bring you to a deeper reverence and passion for the things of God in your homes and in this local ministry. And I place it that way for, for purpose, in that order. I want to bring you to a, to a deeper reverence. We want to bring you to a deeper reverence and passion, not just a reverence. Because when you reverence God, there is going to be a passion in your heart to do His will. But a deeper reverence and passion for the things of God in your homes and in the local church. I have, once again, they are placed in that order for, this, for, for a purpose. The objectives of this teaching, I want you to write them down. If I'm going too fast, I apologize. But it is to understand what authority commands all believers. Not just one group of believers. He commands all believers in the local church. To understand what authority commands all believers. There is a command from authority that actually encompasses everything that we do. Really it does. Because remember, when we were introduced to authority... To, to the, to the, to, when we were introduced to the house, we found in the house there was authority. And God was doing something. Think about it. David wanted to build God a house. Do you remember that? He wanted to build. And think about it. That was not something. It's so interesting. And I like what, how, how he brought it forth. But, you know, as I read it myself, that, those things were in my heart. It's so interesting that God tells us about David. Let's go there. We weren't going to go. But let's go to the book of... Second Samuel chapter seven. Don't worry, my foundational scriptures are still the same. Second Samuel chapter seven. Let's there when you're there, say amen. And let's read this. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house. And the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Think about it. It says, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. It's interesting how he not only tells us where David was at, he tells us where he was at in life. Just by that passage of Scripture, he says the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies. And it's interesting how he... You don't think in, the, in verse 2 where he says... That the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. This is not just something that popped up in David's heart. This was a meditation of David's heart. He had the house of God in his heart. He saw, think about it, when he, when he brought in the presence of the tabernacle into, into the city of David, how he rejoiced. He loved the presence of God. This is, what can I do? Because I see that me... I'm dwelling in this house of cedar, but God's presence is within curtains. And he said, I'm living a great life. Look at how I live. And he calls for Nathan, because prophets just were not always around the king. Prophets came to the king to correct them, to bring them a word, or when they needed counsel. So he called for his counsel. He says, you know, look at here. He says, he said unto Nathan, the prophet, see now, I dwell in this house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. 
But just because God was with him, once again, it doesn't mean that he didn't have to be under authority. But I love that because it was in David's heart already. This is who he was. This is not just something that came up to him all the And do you think, think about this, do you think that God already knew it was going to come up in David's heart? All those things, God, see, for them, the house of God was new. But the house of God was established before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. I like what, in, in, in the book of, uh, it talks about, and I can't remember the passage of scriptures because I didn't write it down. But it talks about, when you set up these things, I was there. He goes, I was there before you brought these things forth. And, it, and, and, and I believe it's in the book of Proverbs, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll look over and give it to you. But in he said, I was there and I established and my delight was with the sons of men. Jesus Christ was set up before the foundation of the world. His house was established. These people were just getting ahead of themselves. And he said, no, it's not time for that. I, I'm going to build that house. And I'm going to show you how I'm going to build it. So we come to, and I want you to go now to Matthew chapter 28. But in second, when you're there, second objective to examine the different types of violations of authority. Who and what are the violators coming against? And what is at the very heart of authority violations? And I'm going to give you the first one again. To understand what authority commands all believers in the local church. I'm going to slow down. And we want to examine, second, is to examine different types of violations of authority. Who and what the violators are coming against? And what is at the very heart? of authority violations. Third, we want to look at the rewards of being under authority and the consequences from being out from under it. Again, we want to look at the rewards of being under authority and the consequences of being out from under it. I'm going to go through one again. To understand what authority commands all believers in the local church. Number two, to examine different types of authority violations or violations of authority, who and what the violators are coming against, and what is at the very heart of authority violations. Number three is how do we want to look at the rewards of being under authority and the consequences of being out from under it. And number four is how to repent. Because it's important that when we understand these things that we have a heart of repentance. But even when God requires us to repent, He still speaks from a, place of, from a place of authority. He's like, you know, this is a requirement. For a believer, it is a requirement that we repent. From the very beginning, we're a constant living in a repentant state. It's not something that we do one time. We're constantly being corrected because we're under authority. So, once again, we're going to go to the book of Matthew. What does authority command in the local church? Now we're going to get to find out what is authority commanding in the local church. So as we read, and I will read, you can stay in Matthew, but I want to read that Psalm 62, just that one verse, and then we'll run to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Psalm 62. In Psalm 62, verse 11, it says this. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to start at verse... Let's start at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, 
into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Acts chapter 1. Follow me, we're going somewhere. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read, starting at verse 1 through 8. It says, The former, when, we're there, when, you say, when you're there, say amen. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days. He was seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was speaking to them for forty days of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart out of Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So, I want you to look at this and, and examine this. Who is the authority that now speaks in the church? Hebrews chapter twelve, verse no, chapter one, verse one. It says, "God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son." It's interesting. Psalms 62 and 11 says, All power belongs to God. God has always been in control. Always been in charge. He's from the very beginning. I like when, when the ministry was talking about how God, the authority, sets the boundary. And I told you, authority, he, the, he, he, he mentioned about authority bringing restoration. But that was always in the heart of God, even before he brought it forth. I like, you know, how, and, and, and I would have to study it out. But when it says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I like the fact that it's, I, I, I enjoy, I think I heard one person say, in the beginning God, and God created the heavens and the earth. God was always in the beginning. That was our beginning, but God has no beginning. He's always been in the, in, in, on the throne. The Bible says His throne is established upon His authority. He speaks, the Bible, it says this, I heard one brother say this, the acts of God proceed from His throne. And his throne is established upon his authority by what he says. I love that. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds everything by the word of his power. His word. His word is not like our word. His word has power. His word, when he speaks it, he says, this is it. This is what it is. It's not like that. And even when you deal with God, he says, you say that, but I know you. I know what you're going to do. 
Think about it. God knows our very beginning and He knows our end. When I tell you the names of God, when He says, I am the beginning, I am the end, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning of the creation of God, He's telling everybody, I am in authority. This is who I am. I set things up. I establish them. I bring them down. When He says, I set up kings, He says, I am in authority. And the thing about it is, this authority, He says, all, all power belongs to God. Jesus came up, and we learned about exousia, we learned about dunamis. Exousia being the right to act. He has the right to do so. Dunamis being the ability, the might to act, the ability to get it done. And Jesus, and the very, it's very interesting that during these passages, when he rose again from the dead, he said they were, they were with him for 40 days, speaking of the things of the kingdom. He brought up in the very beginning, he says, all exousia belongs to me. All exousia has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And he says, therefore, go. For this reason, go. Make disciples of all men. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he doesn't just pronounce his exousia. He said, I'm going to show you the power that's going to get it done. He said, wait for me. Within all these conversations, same conversation. Within these 40 days, he, tell, he speaks of his exousia and he tells them about his dunamis. And when he tells them about his dunamis, he goes, wait for the power. For you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, this is what I'm commanding you. So when we come against authority, I want you to understand. Authority is this. I want you to, I want you to write this down. So violations of authority will be coming against the process, whether directly or indirectly, of discipleship, whether it is in your life or in the life of somebody else. Because authority, remember I told you, I, I made mention, when authority comes in the room and says, I'm in charge, Jesus really was saying, I'm in charge. When he says, all exousia has been given unto me. And when he tells them about doing it, he goes, these are the commands. And he gives them a command. So I want you to understand when, when I want you to bring this under, I want you I want to bring you to this understanding that you may see that the violations of authority having to do in the church it has to do with the church and its purpose it will fall under this anything that violates authority that has to do with church and its purpose has to do with disobedience and rebellion to what the authority has commanded so so when like think about this Obey, obey those that have rule over you. Why? Because they've been commanded to watch over your souls. But what are they watching over your souls? See, that's what I'm saying. They themselves are under authority. They have no right to command you outside of the discipleship of Christ. No, and, and, and here, when we, when we talk about, let's think about different things. Because I want, I want you to understand this. There are the obvious violations of authority. And I really don't want to deal with the obvious violations of authority. And I will tell you, the obvious is what I'm, what I'm referring to. The violations of authority is our church attendance. That's a violation of authority. Why is, why is it a violation of authority? Because you have come against the discipleship process. In your life and in the life of others. So it's like, I, I come when I, it's like this, and I have to serve. That's a violation of authority. But, you say, but you're not violating. Remember I was saying, who are you violating? You're not violating a person that says, you, like for example, there's, sets, there's standards set up in this ministry for everybody. So if you're going to serve in this ministry, it's a requirement that you beware. 
in service, at prayer. It's a requirement. So, and I talked about directly, indirectly. Directly is just saying, I'm getting straight to the point, I'm not doing it. Indirectly would be this. I turn on my prayer time, but I walk away and I'm not there. But it seems that I'm there. You know, and I'm, I'm not, and, and I'm not, I'm, those, those are things that I really don't want to address because to me, we know those violations. I want to address the very attitude behind the violation. Not necessarily, it would be our church attendance, the times we miss, our lack of preparation to serve. You know that that is a violation of authority. Why is it a violation of authority? Because it comes against the discipleship process in your life and in the life of somebody else. We're going to talk about, and, 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 I, and I like, I'm not saying your, it's our church attendance. It's our, why? Because we're a body. You know, we're a body of believers. Our church attendance affects us all. Our, 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 our lack of preparation to serve in ministry, our timeliness, every one of the, and I'm going to, and I'm going to get all, all into this with, and it's not, when it comes down to you, what I'm saying, this is about me. Everything is about each and every one of us. Our offerings to God, you know that our, our submission to authority affects our offerings to God. How we offer to God. How are they received? Our attitudes towards one another. Every one of these. But I'm not necessarily going to deal with those. It has to do with the attitudes behind it. Have you, and let me give you an example about authority. And I, and I like this example that, that, uh, that I'm going to use because it, it touches home. Who in here is aggressive drivers? I'm an aggressive driver. Do you know that authority will slow you down? And authority will push you forward. Authority always does that. Have you ever been on the highway? And, and I have LMS. I have, you know, what they call the Napoleon complex. I have issues. You have to pray for me. You really do. You have to pray for me. Because I can be on the road. Even today, I'm like, what are you doing? Now, why aren't you moving? You know, and the thing about it is authority will get in front of you and slow you down. And you're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing? Why aren't you moving? Or they get behind you. Have you ever had somebody get behind you and you slow down on purpose? That is the attitudes that I'm going to deal with. You're on a rearview mirror and you're like, what? I'm not going nowhere. You see, and that's what I'm trying to... You're, you're, that, you're that believer in that car when somebody gets behind you and all you had to do is move over. But you're like... I got an attitude and I am not moving. You, you, I'm not going nowhere. And you're, and you're like, you think you're some big stuff and you can be as small as me and you're not moving. Or somebody can get... And, and the thing about it is, God is like, you're really driving this vehicle. It's up to you to listen to what I'm telling you to do. But you're driving this vehicle. And whether you get out of authority or under, stay under authority, it's your choice. But I am going to speak to you, either slow down I like I like uh, what they call him Dwayne the self-proclaimed Rock Johnson. Remember Dwayne the Rock Johnson? He had a saying: "You better know your role." Remember that? You better know your role. And it has about it's like you better know who you're dealing with when you get in this ring. And God is the same way. It's, it's about knowing your role. You are not in charge. Or or this one: you better slow your role. Because you're, 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 just, you're just going way too fast and you need to stop. 
And that's what authority does for us. Authority is like, no, I'm going to get right in front of you and tell you, no, you're just going way too fast, son. Child, you need to slow down. You need to be patient. You need to wait on somebody. You need to take care of this. You need to take care of You need to discipline yourself here. Always. And then you think that that is the man or that is the woman. And they're like, no. You know, it, that, is, that is God. And that's why I want you to... Why did I bring you in this route? My, I, I think about this. Why did I want to bring you in this route where I wanted to show you who was actually speaking when he, denou- when he pronounced who he was and what all authority was given? Because I want you to understand, it's important, think about it. If that is the command that came forth from our Savior, our authority, from the very beginning, why shouldn't we pay close attention to it? So think about this. And, 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 I'm, and we're all guilty. I'm saying we're all guilty. But I think that there should be a brokenness in our hearts when we violate authority. We should understand that people are going to push you, but it's up to you to do what you have to do. They're going to push you. They can't control your life, but they're going to push you. We can talk about, in simplicity, let's talk about our next-gen uh, 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 things that we do on a regular basis as we send out questions and we send out answers. There's people we don't hear from in weeks or time and all of a sudden you hear from them. And then they send it out another one and they send out another one. And you, you see how it continues to flow. It continues. Regardless if you answer or not, somebody's flowing in it. Somebody's going. So, so why is that? It's so important. Because you, what, what is teaching? It's repeating and repeating until learning takes place. And I've told you this in the past. You know, if I sat down with you and I told you, you tell me the answers to all those questions without looking at anything. Or you ask those questions without looking at any. We've been doing it so far that, that it should be something that we all are able to do. All, and you know, you may not be able to tell me verbatim what was said on there, but you should be able to explain it by now. You should be able to explain what is there. And then, and then you're like, well, it's not a big deal. You know, I see notifications come out through all, all the time through my phone. I see it. It's beeping. It's ringing. I see it. But I'm like, no, later. Later. Do you notice that sometimes I may answer it way hours in the, in the morning? Because to me, I'm trying to stay up with what is being said. Because I shouldn't ask something of you that I'm not able to do. You notice how other people are doing the same thing. It's like, I shouldn't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. But some of you may not think that that's a violation of authority, but it is. Because authority already said it for you. It was a requirement. It's, and, and those are little things, but it's the attitudes. What are you doing behind? Like, are you saying, you know, what's the big deal? Who do they think they are? You know, why do they, why, why do they push us in this fashion? It's not that big of a deal. Those are the attitudes that we have to address in our lives. But if you think about it, Satan's rebellion didn't start uh, with just a vocal. The Bible says he said it in his heart. These were things were in Satan's heart when he violated authority. I want you to, the verse verify, and we're going to get into this. We, I wasn't expecting to get this far, but violation of authority number one. And it's an attitude. Remember, it's an entitlement to ministry. I'm entitled to ministry. And, 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 I, and I, like that, I like that we got here because it's entitled. It's putting in the work. It's continuous. 
an entitlement to ministry. It's this attitude, this attitude right here. And this is speaking for me too, of me also. I am reserved a right to ministry because I am the child of so and so. I am reserved a right to ministry because I am a child of so and so. I am reserved a right to ministry because Pastor Forrest P. Hill was my spiritual father. Those are attitudes that people may carry in ministry. And remember, I'm talking about these attitudes in the report. You're going to see it because really this attitude was in Korah and Dathan, in Korah, especially in Korah. He thought he was entitled to ministry because of where he came from. But I am reserved a right to ministry because I am a child of so-and-so. I am reserved a right to ministry because Pastor Forrest B. Hill Jr. is my spiritual father in the Lord. These statements may not be verbally expressed, but the attitude can be identified. So let's examine the attitude. Have you ever heard of the grandfather clause? The grandfather clause, I'm going to read it to you. It's allowing, and I'll let you write it down. The grandfather clause is allowing an existing operation or conduct to continue. Again, it's allowing an existing operation or conduct to continue legally when a new operation or conduct would be illegal. It is when an activity, person, group, etc. that is grandfathered is not covered by the new law because of the grandfather clause. And I'll give you an example. I had to actually get look into an example so I could understand it. But it's allowing an existing, an existing operation to continue or conduct to continue legally when a new operation or conduct would be illegal. I want to give you an example. Let's say that you're an employee of a, of a hospital, a small hospital that's been taken over by a large hospital. Say that you're a nurse, whatever you may be in that uh, some kind of position you hold in this small hospital and you're taken over and then they set out a new standard that no one can be in a position of employment without a degree they tell you no one can be in a position of employment without a degree and you don't have one the grandfather clause says this in their state you can continue with your position but you can have no advancement until you get a degree so it allows you to carry on in that position, without, without, with, but, but you can't advance in that company if you don't get a degree. So you're allowing to keep your job. But let's say this nurse decides, I'm not even going to do the best at my job. Does the grandfather clause allow her not to get fired? No. She has to still keep up the work. She has to continue. So in ministry... I, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'm going to use this. No, and, and I'm going to use Minister Hill for example. I like using Minister Hill for an example, and I'll tell you why. Minister Hill is not entitled to be our pastor because he's Pastor Forrest P. Hill's junior son. He cannot have that entitlement. He has to put in the work. He cannot re reserve the right to even minister because his mom is current pastor of Church of the Living Water. And you're, going to, and you're going to see where I'm coming from. He must put in the work. But have you examined Minister Hill's life? Have, have you examined him in the months? I, I'll go back to a teaching in family life where he dealt with uh, his relationship with his wife. And to me, I've seen this. And, this is, and I, I'm, I receive no kudos for, kudos for talking about Minister Hill. Or I don't receive anything. Minister Hill is my friend. 
You know, and I don't hang with him. He is my friend. He is my brother, my future pastor. He is the minister of the gospel. But I've seen growth in his teaching. And I am not saying what the standard is Ricky. No. I've just seen growth in how he teaches when he talked about his relationship with his wife and how he deals with situations. I saw my pastor's heart in minister him. I saw him when he talked about the truth about the joy of the Lord. I saw the teaching. I'm like, he is spending time with what he's talking about. He doesn't think that he's reserved a right to minister because of who he is. And see, that's what I'm trying to get you to point. You can't think that I am deserved this right just because of who I am. You're going to have to put in some work. You know, in, and I'm not talking, I'm talking about the work of discipleship. I'm talking about the work of seeking God. I'm talking about the work of, 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 of being under authority in your local church. The work, like for example, you can tell people, like, and, and this is brought up, and, and I'm not picking on nobody. I'm not. But I've noticed just, when you got up, when I used to get up here, I'm going to continue, or just like any time I got up when our pastor was here, our, our, our founding pastor was here, I'll, I'll use that. Because, you know, it, it was interesting because especially during ministry class, I mean, he examined, examined everything that you said pretty much. You know, when you asked a question, he was expecting you to go back and find out what you asked him. And he will ask you about it the next week. Or when you got up here, he was examining how you taught. When he wanted to read your notes, so like, well, let me see your notes. You know, well, you know, even from here, my pastor would correct me when I was right there about what I said in something in the class. Did I just think that I had a right to do what, you know, just because I was put in a position of authority that I can do whatever I want to do? No, there's still work there. Work that has to go forth. And I think that Korah in the book of Numbers is a great example. And we'll, stay, we'll be there. Let's go to the book of... Uh, and we're going to probably touch on this next week too because I really want you to see this. Numbers, chapter 16. You know what kind of attitude the grandfather clause is? Is I paid my dues attitude. Have you ever had somebody think that, you know, I paid my dues. I did what I had to do. I put in the work. I've been here 20-something years, 30-something years. Why do I have to continue doing what they tell me to do in this area? Because I've done that. You know, I heard, I, heard, uh, I heard Minister Eberhard talk about the new members class. Which, you know, I've been there, done that. You know, why did I have to do that again? Because you're not grandfathered in anything. You must pay your dues. And God is like, are you, are you willing to put in the work? So in the book of Numbers, let me get there for you. Numbers chapter 16, I said, let's do that. Numbers chapter 16. I'm in Psalms. Let me get there. Numbers chapter 16. That's where we're at. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princesses of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered together themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon you. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift up you yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he spake unto Korah, 
and unto all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And he will call and will cause him to come near unto him, even him whom he had chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you the God of, the, that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel separated you in, from, the, from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them and you have brought and you, he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren the sons of Levi with thee and seek ye the priesthood also for which cause doth thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? I want you to understand something about Korah. Korah was Moses' cousin. He was related to Moses. Moses uh, Korah came from the tribe of Levi. It's interesting that the Bible talks about uh, Korah's descendants. It's like... There was something that happened within this family even before this time came to pass. See, Korah was about wanting to be in leadership for the wrong reasons. He had the wrong heart for the leadership. He was even overlooked by someone else to be the head of the family in his own tribe. The, his father was the Ishar. But somebody from a, a, a cousin of his who was younger had taken his place to be the father of the tribe of that family. It wasn't him. Korah had issues. And Korah himself, and the thing about it is that it's like this. When he says, you take too much upon you, it's like, who do you think you are attitude to tell me? Think about it. And he wasn't coming against Moses, even though he thought he was coming against Moses. He was trying to say, you know what? I want a position of authority. And see, the thing about it is this. This is where we have to examine ourselves. Why do we want a position of authority? I look at my life, and really, I'm going to tell you the truth. I never, even though the, I can't really explain it, but I wasn't really seeking to be up here. I could only tell you that in my heart, I would, and, and it, it was it was outside of this place that I was already preaching. I was preaching outside of here. I was preaching to people on the streets, people I would come across. They would, they, they would bring something up and I would bring something up to them. I was already ministering. And I've said this time and time before. It, it was the heart attitude that I had. Ministry was in my heart. It was not something that I was like... It was birthed in me. From, and and I, don't, I don't know what to tell you as it, as it pertains to what God has called you to do. But I believe this. When God is dealing with you about anything that He's wanting you to do, you just can't get away from it. It's in you. It's, it's there. It's something that, that, minist- you, that, that, that it just, you find it in your talents. You find it in things that you do. You, it's like, why am I able to do these things? Why can I? Like for, for me, if you think about it, if I told you my background, I was not a very vocal person. Now I can't be quiet about certain things. But I wasn't vocal. I didn't, you know, I was more shyish and held back. And I would not say anything, even in school. That's who I was. I was more background person, more follower person. 
more a person that you know that I followed the crowd. But God to me, He already had purpose in my heart because from the moment that I accepted Christ, ministry was birthed in me. When I accept, and I don't understand, I can't explain it why, but it was there. It was a passion to tell other people about Jesus, even though I didn't know how. So it w- it was interesting when people were telling me about the call of God or that God's hand was upon my life. I knew God was hand was upon my life, so I expected those things. I thought I, it was like it became a thrill to me, like to, to have somebody minister to me or have a word spoken over me. But when I came here. It was for one purpose, to bring that calling out the way it was supposed to be brought forth. But I had to submit. I had to stay under authority. It was not like, I want that position. I want this. I want that. It was like being placed in the position. See, Cora was way out of line because Cora's like, I want that position. And this is how I'm going to go about to get that position. But see, when a person's heart, and, and we're going to go back to this, Cora believed this, I believe this, that he thought once he was coming against Korah, he was coming against Moses and Aaron. In the book of Psalms 106, it says, Korah envied Moses and Aaron. He envied them in the camp. That's why he did what he did. See, I want to go to the, to the next passage of Scripture. And it's, uh, no, this violation number two. It's, who do you think, once again, it's a who do you think you are attitude. Even though Korah was born into the family of privilege, think about that. He was born into a family of privilege. And I look at this next gen or next generation. You are born into a family of privilege. You really are. And I want to, I'm going to tell you this. It's interesting to me that you are born into this family, but you can't have that attitude. That I, I reserve that right to have that. I can do that because my father is so and so. Or my mother is so-and-so. But think about this. They put in the work. They have a right heart for ministry. Or they wouldn't continue in ministry. But what about you? You know, I, I look at this. When we did the... And I was going to mention this to you. When we did the... Um, the uh, I think it was New Year's service. The truth about the gospel. No, it was pastor's, pastor's appreciation. And the, and the next gen got up here. You can tell who prepared and who didn't. You can tell who prepared and who didn't. You can tell by how you go about doing what you do. So, if I were to get up here, and I've told you this, and I began to read what I have, just reading and reading and reading and reading, that is not preparation. That's writing stuff down and repeating what I already told you. But I also could tell by those who did prepare themselves because they were able to explain those passages of Scripture. So, it's interesting because we are told as believers, and I'm talking about the fathers, the parents here, that we must position our child. We must position our child to hear the voice of God. We must position our, God, our child to be ready for ministry. Because remember, we're passing on ministry. We're passing it on. We must prepare them. But God does the choosing. God chooses. And God chooses based on the heart. If you look back at King David... If it, was his, if it was his father, think about it. David wasn't even called to this gathering. He wasn't called at all. Only his brothers were called. So his father had a choice already in the matter. And he put his eldest son out there and he probably wanted to choose. He's like Saul the same way. 
I saw who he was. I saw what he looked like. I saw that he was big. He was strong. He was, this, surely the Lord's anointing is before me. And God corrected him. He said, you look at the exterior, but I've examined his heart. And I like this. God knew Korah's heart from the foundation of the world. Korah was rejected even before he was rejected there. See, Korah had been... He had, if, you think, if you look at it and you study it, Korah had a lifestyle of rejection because he was not the person with the right heart. And when we come down to these violations of authority, we've got to understand that the people, the person, not the people, the person that we're coming against is the one that set the standard. God sets the standard. Not even my pastor has the right to do what she wants to do. Nobody has the right to do what... Not in ministry, they don't. They have to... Think about this. We, we talk about that we're established upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Think about it. The cornerstone speaks of authority. So, when we talk about that, we can only do what the apostles laid out. And if authority demands it, so when we come against, when authority sets a command, because they show up in the scene, like Jesus showed up after the resurrection, it says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he tells them, go, and you shall receive dunamis, power. And then he tells them what to do. And in each one of those, it was a command of discipleship. Command of ministering the gospel. The church is going to be set up by the ministry of the gospel. It's going to be built by the ministry of the gospel. Not, it's not by our own wisdom, our own understanding. It's all by the ministry of the gospel. So when we come against authority, I don't care what it is, in any one of those attitudes that we will have, we've got to understand that we're not coming against a man. We came against what authority already had commanded. Because if you look at it, that's why you have these attitudes, and I mentioned earlier, that you only come when it's your time to serve. Or you will, you will prepare when it's only your time to minister. Or regardless of what it is, you're at a place in your life where tell you the truth, you for the things of God. Your path, when you're outside of authority, you don't have passion for the things of God. It's like, I, I'm just living life. I do what I want to do. I, and to me, I want to be at a place where God is pleased with me. So, if I want to be at a place where God is pleased with me, I have to understand this, that my dealings are only with Him. They're not with a man. They're not with anybody here. That's why, even when you can... Think about when we, our pastor talked about forgiveness this past Sunday. That's authority. Forgiveness is demanded by authority. He said this, If you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. Your trespasses. I've commanded that. You forgive because I've commanded to do it. And once again, not about our feelings. Because we can have an attitude even in the forgiveness part. We have an attitude, well, well, she did this or he did that. They deserve. The cure, the, the greatest cure for unforgiveness is being able to pray, and pray for somebody that has done you wrong. And I'm talking about genuinely praying for somebody that has hurt you. And you know, sometimes we get hurt by people and they don't even know that they've hurt us. They don't. And you, and, 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 or you're rejected by something and you don't even know you're rejected. Think about Korah. He was rejected even before that time. Because really, God rejected Korah right there. He's like, no, I've had enough. He said, your attitude has come 
this far and that's it. You didn't come against nobody but me. I choose. See, he thought, he thought that there was a personal ambition. That Moses got there by personal ambition. And Aaron got there. And, and Moses was choosing because Aaron because Aaron was his brother. Not realizing that he said, this is not about personal ambition. This is God's choosing. See, that's why I'm trying to tell you. We position our, brother, our, our children. But God chooses. And He chooses based on your heart attitude towards Him. You are where you're at. I am where I'm at. Based on my pursuit of God. So if I'm not satisfied, or if you're not satisfied with where you're at, it's time to seek your God. Because He's... A, and that's why I like Psalm 62. Because He, he talks about... My soul is going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to wait on Him. I'm going to allow Him to do what He, what he wants in our life. Once again, going back to King David. I love King David in, 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 uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Because he's like, a lot of us, and, and I think that's the big thing, is that so many things are handed to us. Everything is at our disposal at times. We have things just, like for example, a good example you know, to me, it would be good. This is my personal advice. Personal advice. To me, it would be good to get you a regular Bible and stop depending on your pad. And I'm talking about the next gen. The reason why, it's because some of you don't even know your Bible without this thing. You can't even find, probably find certain books of the Bible without your thing. And to me, that's an issue. Because that shows, to me, to me and I'll say again, this is me. You know, because there's some people that know how to use their, their electronic gadgets and they are studying the Word of God. I'm not saying that you cannot or you cannot improve. But for some people, that is a crutch. It's just so easy to find things. All I have to do is push something and I found it. I don't have to search for nothing. I don't have to sit there. And, 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 and the thing about it is, sometimes the only time you get into your Bible is when you're here. And see, those are the signs that we have to ask ourselves. Am I really pursuing God? Because, once again, violations of authority is coming against the disciple process, whether directly or indirectly. And we'll explain directly and indirectly. Directly is just straight up going there. Indirectly is going about it in a roundabout way. You know, it's like, I'm not necessarily showing you that I'm in rebellion, but I'm rebelling because I'm not doing what you asked me to do anyway. But I come here allowing you to see I'm doing what I need to do because I'm here. You could do that for any auxiliary that we have here. It's like I, I, I think about it and I'm, I'm fond of the choir and, and, and praising but you can learn your stuff. You know, you can learn it and some people are just good at just learning stuff but some people spend time with their stuff and when people spend time with their stuff you really can tell the difference when somebody is spending time with, their th- with what they need to learn and somebody that just, oh, I, I've got this. I know how to do it. And, and the thing about it is you have, to, you have to know your own attitudes. But we'll continue next week. Let's stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.